You're listening to a Behind Closed Doors podcast on 3CR 855 AM. Visit the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au forward slash Behind Closed Doors. Our podcasts are also available on iTunes and Spotify. This show is broadcast on the land belonging to the people of Kulin Nation. Behind Closed Doors 3CR pays its respect to elders past, present and emerging and acknowledges that sovereignty has never been ceded, always was and always will be Aboriginal land. You have tuned in into 3CR's program Behind Closed Doors. This program explores all topics related to sex work. We give sex workers and allies a comfortable space to share their experiences. We also appreciate questions from the general public. Behind Closed Doors aim to uncover what the sex industry is really like. Our program exists to bridge the gaps. Please be mindful this program is not suitable for little years as there may also be explicit language use. Please email us at bcd3cr at gmail.com. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Australia's only sex worker radio show. This is Behind Closed Doors, and my name is Kitty Galore. Today, we have a very interesting week in history that's taking place. What's happening is decrim is being discussed at Parliament. And today, joining me is Matthew Roberts from Sex Work Law Reform Victoria. Welcome, Matthew. Thanks for having me, Kitty. So, Matthew, we have so much to discuss, but before we get into everything and the nitty-gritty of what's happening, we'll just make a quick disclaimer because this current episode is being pre-recorded on Wednesday evening. So as of right now, uh, we are still waiting for the votes to take place in Parliament. Yes, we, we certainly are waiting and we expect that the vote will be tomorrow night. Right, which is Thursday night, which is when our listeners are listening to this show. So in terms of our listeners listening to this podcast and show today, Thursday, we're expecting the votes and the results of it to come out sometime today. It may be happening right now as we speak, before the show goes to it, or even after. We just don't know. There's so much happening in the air right now. But to give our listeners a bit of an idea about decrim, maybe, Matthew, you can talk about why decrim is important for sex workers. Of course, Kitty. I mean, it's something that I talk about with my friends all the time. As sex workers, we want to be able to report crimes to the police if something goes wrong. And we also want to be able to do uh, banking and uh, go to the doctor and be treated like a normal person when we seek help or services. If your work is classified as a crime, it's hard to be open and honest about what you're doing. You might not tell your doctor, you probably don't tell your bank, and you certainly don't tell the police if something goes wrong. And the decriminalisation of sex work is so important, Kitty, because it means that for the first time, sex workers in Victoria can be open with the authorities about their work, get the help and the support that they need, and most importantly, they can report crimes to police without fearing that they themselves might get in trouble by the police. The reason that Victoria is a really interesting case is because you are right in that I'd say about 20% of sex workers do work legally right now in Victoria, you know, so, so they're doing okay. 
This bill is for the 80% who are not. This bill is for the 80% of less um, fortunate sex workers who can't work within the old-fashioned, completely unworkable laws. Mm. And so those 80% are pretty much treated as criminals. You know, their work is deemed a crime, they're treated as criminals, they can't report to the police. So we actually have both. We have a 20%, perhaps, a minority who are working legally and who, who are doing better. But then we have the 80% or the majority who are really not doing so well. And this bill is trying to address the concerns and the issues faced by that larger 80% who really can't go to the police. Um, for our listeners, let's just put some context in into this so that they have a better understanding of what the 80% comprises of. I imagine you're referring to either street-based workers or even the general group of independent sex workers who may not be registered just because they are afraid that it might affect a potential career in childcare, um, or it might affect them in some way because of the discrimination and the stigma that comes hand in hand with sex work. Is that right? That's right, Kitty. You're absolutely right. So what we see is that all four sectors of sex work, the majority uh, are deemed illegal and, and, and criminals by the current laws. So all of the street-based sex workers are, if, are technically committing a crime the crime of solicitation. Mm. The majority of brothels are not licensed and are not recognised by the law. The majority of escort agencies, another sector, they're also not, not recognised. And, of course, you know, um, you yourself have talked about how you do private sex work as an independent operator. The majority of people doing that kind of sex work are also not recognised by the law. Most people, as you say, Kitty, don't get registered because they don't want to put their legal name on a government database that can be accessed by the police. But even if somebody does go on the register, and we know that about one in five do, even once they're on the register, they can still fall afoul of dozens of other laws that restrict where they can work, who they can work with, how they can work, and the wording that they can put in their advertisements. If we go back to many years ago when I first had a conversation with you around decrim and sex work, I remember thinking, well, it's really no big deal for people to just register and do things as we have to as sex workers. But through a lot of learning from you, I realized that because I'm in a privileged situation where I'm not too worried about sex work being linked to my real name and you know my name being on a government database, I didn't have any of those fears, whereas a lot of sex workers actually do. Um, and it's, it's a mm. very reasonable and warranted behavior and fear, given that there is a lot of stigmatization around sex work and discrimination as well. There, there is, Kitty. And look, we know reliably that four out of five sex workers are simply refusing to go on that register. And they're doing that for a reason. But you also, Kitty, pointed out to something else about the discrimination that sex workers experience. Even if somebody like you, who you know, who's registered, who's working legally, wants to get that bank account, you know, you're on the right side of the law. Even if you're doing everything about, um, that you're required to do, you might still face discrimination and the bank might decide not to give you that bank account that you've applied for. And that's where, Kitty, there's another really important part of this bill, which is the anti-discrimination protections. Right now, sex workers can be discriminated against 
And the law says that that is just fine. The law allows that. This bill seeks to change that. This bill says, no, it's not okay to, to discriminate against sex workers if a company or a government department or, or a, a bank does discriminate, then that will be unlawful and the sex worker can take legal action against the bank or the company to fix that problem. Will this um, bill work retrospectively as well? Kitty, I'm just going to give you an analogy here uh, because the answer is no, it won't work retrospectively into the past. Um, in fact, it's kind of the opposite. So let's just say that, you know, you, Kitty, you have a boyfriend and he's been a little bit neglectful lately and he hasn't been um, so nice or tending to your needs in terms of the house and the cooking. And he says to you, Kitty, I want to really make up for it and I wanna, I'm going to cook you a nice big dinner. You might say, that's great, but there's a catch. He then says, but I won't be cooking it for you for another 18 months. Oh, no. Are you referring to the bill and when it's going to be enacted? Yes, right. (laughs) So everyone's excited about this bill, right? Everyone's excited about it. And I am too. And I know you are as well because we've been, you and I have been talking about this and fighting for this for so many years. Many years. Right? It's many years now. I can't remember how many years. It's been (laughs) a a, a long time. And so we're all excited. And, you know, the vote will be tomorrow. And, you know, there's a good chance that, that it will vote yes and it will pass. But the catch is... Even if it passes, the actual changes don't apply in full until December 2023. That's a really long time away. I know. And I suspect that the government has deliberately planned it that way because the reality is it takes a long time for the police and all the other government agencies to adjust and change and learn about um, the new laws. So that they've, they've given themselves plenty of time, clearly. It is the right step forward. We've been obviously fighting for decrim for many, many years. And Victoria is following behind the footsteps of Sydney. And yes, it's a long way, but we are making baby steps. So I guess we can look you know, to the positives of this. However, <laughs> I think you'll find a lot of sex workers very frustrated. I can sort of see why they would do this as you say you know we need to get police and other various stakeholders up to date uh, and to have new systems in place and also people in general who may not know a lot about sex work need the time to process and adapt to these changes as well so it's bittersweet to me you know government tends to move quite slowly so that's just how government works isn't it yeah so let's talk about the bill I know that there'll be more discussed Thursday. And so a lot of discussions will be taking place in Parliament. We're going to be posting a link to what's happening and people can watch this live stream should they choose. Um, And also give you the updates via our social media, which is at BCD3CR. Or you can also follow Sex Work Law Reform Victoria's social media, which is at SWLRV on Twitter and Facebook and all the links as well. So, Matthew, are you ready? Let's talk about what the bill is going to deliver and whether or not it's um, most of what sex workers are asking for. What do you reckon? Well, look, I mean, I I hate to put a a number on it, but the bill is actually a really quite a strong bill. And I would say it gives us 
98 to 99% of what we wanted. So it's giving us quite a lot. It's not perfect. It definitely is not perfect. And, and where it falls down is that street-based sex work, which right now is a crime anywhere that it occurs. The bill will remove some of those criminal laws for street-based sex workers, but it will still be a crime to do street-based sex work in certain locations and at certain times of the day. Right. I guess that's what happens post-decrim. If decrim was to happen, we would then have to start lobbying council to change laws around that. Is that correct? Well, no. Well, it's it's really quite complicated because councils have a role as well. But the the criminal laws that the street-based sex workers will still have to battle with, they're state laws, and that will require not the councils but the um, the state parliament to deal with that. And, of course, you know, we'll never stop fighting to have all of those unnecessary laws removed. But that's what the government's done. They've, they've, put, they've kept some street-based sex workers, left them behind. We don't like that. But, yeah, it's, it's, what, it's what the bill is. Well, it's quite disappointing, especially knowing that street-based sex workers are probably m- most of our at-risk, vulnerable sex workers. And they would, you know, need more support rather than punishment or discrimination towards them. And it's strange to say, okay, well, street-based sex work, let's say when Degrim passes, street-based sex work is no more illegal but they can only operate within certain hours of the day. That's right. So it, it um, the location really comes to churches and places of worship. So it's saying that you can't do street-based sex work in a certain number. It says, I think the word was near, near a place of worship. I always say this to people, the crime of street-based sex work has nothing to do with the sex and it has everything to do with the talking. So I just want to remind people what the offence is. It's solicitation, which is the talking in public between sex worker and client about prices and services. Also, what do they think street-based sex workers are doing, loitering in front of churches to get churchgoers to book them? I'm pretty sure they know better where to find potential clients as opposed to be around churches. It's really odd because street-based sex work really only occurs in a sort of a a, um, significant way in one suburb, which is St Kilda. And I reached out to and spoke to the church there. Uh, There is a church in that area. And the street-based sex workers know the church well. The church actually welcomes the workers. They have support services, homelessness services. There's a women's refuge there. So they they know all the street-based sex workers well. The the, the sex workers go there for the services and it's no problem. I suppose this is a safe space for me to disclose that I do actually provide support to street-based sex workers on Friday evenings. And um, I know a lot of the street-based sex workers who work in St Kilda relatively well. And they have particular streets that they do work on where clients can find them more easily. And it's not like they're all over the place because that's just not good for business. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, most forms of sex work, including other forms, it really does come down to the clients, the business, where are the, where can you find the clients to make a successful booking? We're shifting our perspective in this moment in time because people have this uh, preconceived idea about what 
sex work is, what street-based sex work is, and they always relate it to what they see on the media when the reality of it is so much more different. You know, a lot of the street-based sex workers that I know are so polite, really respectful, and um, they're not loud and noisy or lewd the way that media portrays them on television. What I like about this bill is that when you have this shift, it's, it's such a big shift in how we look at sex work because the reality is that right now the government and the police still look at sex work as mostly a crime. It's a criminal activity. And this bill, if passed, will change that so that sex work is viewed as a legitimate business and the worker will be seen as a worker, not a criminal. And so all the things that you've talked about with those workers that you saw who are, who are doing you know, great people doing a great job, that is the reality. That's what most sex workers are like. I've never thought of myself as a criminal, and I really resent the fact that any law or government or department would view me that way, and I'm sure you feel the same way, Kitty. Yeah, it's just the stigmatisation that's come with years, ever since sex work was a profession, it's always been stigmatised and discriminated against. You're listening to all of this on Australia's Only Sex Worker Radio Show, Behind Closed Doors. We'll be right back after this short break. Sex workers' rights are human rights. Today, we are celebrating the incredible strength and diversity of sex workers. Sex work is real work. Sex work is not sex trafficking, and it's harmful when you confuse the two. Sex workers are skilled professionals selling a unique service, not their bodies. Sex work is the negotiation and transaction of consensual sexualized services. But society seems to have a hard time with the concept of capitalizing from sex. Sex workers' rights are human rights. Sex workers are all ages. Men, women, gay, lesbian, trans, and non-binary. Husbands, wives, partners. Mums, dads, sisters, brothers. University students, lawyers, and designers. Sex workers are everyday people. They deserve the same legal rights and protection afforded to the rest of society. The current regulation of sex work in Victoria isn't equitable. It strips sex workers' capacity to negotiate safe work and access to health services. Research indicates that full decriminalisation is the best model to support sex workers' health, safety, and human rights. Decriminalisation starts from the understanding that sex work is real work. Decriminalisation treats sex work like any other labour trade under regular employment laws. Decriminalisation reduces violence. Decriminalisation dismantles stigma. Decriminalisation dissolves barriers. Decriminalisation helps sex workers be seen as people. Not as a job, a bad choice or a victim. More than 20,000 people in Australia are sex workers. I want to live in a society that celebrates the diversity of all human beings. Sex workers' rights are human rights. Welcome back. You're listening to Behind Closed Doors. I've got Matthew Roberts here with me, spokesperson of Sex Work Law from Victoria. Matthew, thanks for giving us so much information about decrim and everything that's happening at Parliament this week. You spoke a lot about how decrim is going to meet and deliver a lot of what sex workers are asking for. But even if the bill passes Thursday, the 10th of February, there's still a lot more work that needs to be done. Can you talk a bit more about that? Yes. So, Katie, with this bill, uh, it's so important to talk about what the bill does, but equally important to talk about what it does not do. So, Let's talk about what the bill does first. The bill is a repeal bill. 
Now, this means that it gets rid of or erases a bunch of criminal laws. And, and that would be the criminal laws that relate to consensual adult sex work activity. I've always said to people, I don't believe that the activities associated with consensual adult sex work should be a crime. This bill agrees with me and it erases all of those old-fashioned laws that should never have been there. So that's a good thing. It's interesting because a lot of people relate pornography or sex work to sexual harassment. And the way I always speak to that is to say, you know, sex work is a service. That's all it is. It's a business providing a service. Um, and if people want to access the service, then, you know, there are parameters about how you can have respectful service provision from both the sex worker and the client, right? And the analogy of this is like junk food, so let's say ice cream or cake. Um, we can't be blaming ice cream or cake if, you know, we have no control around it or let's say I'm, I promised myself to eat a salad, but instead of eating my salad, I choose to eat a tub of ice cream. In the same way, like we can't blame sex work because it's literally just a service that's being provided. In the same way, cake and ice cream is literally just a food item. That's exactly right, Kitty. And, you know, it is about taking responsibility. If a person is booking a sex worker, they need to show that person respect if they're abusing that person, then they've got to take responsibility for the fact that they're behaving badly. Exactly. It's the person who's using violence that needs to be held accountable for those actions, whether it's directed towards a sex worker or any member of the public. We can't relate that person who's using violence. We can't relate those person's behaviours to sex work. Again, sex work is merely just another service, just as accountants are providing a service for those who need it and so on and yeah. so forth yeah it's interesting how people have been brought up to think a certain way um, i know that we are breaking barriers just by having this conversation on behind closed doors because a lot of people have preconceived ideas um, and it's not until they listen to voices of sex workers such as yourself and mine uh, where they realize hmm sex workers sound like everyday people <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, not the way it's been portrayed on media. And it's so great that you're doing this show because we need to hear more of those just everyday voices in the media so that people can understand what sex workers are really like. They're average people like everyone else. Mm. When you tell people that you've done sex work, do they tend to get shocked or surprised by your response? <sighs> I mean, I, I, as you can probably imagine from, you know, speaking to me even just today, I really tend to focus most on the policy issues. <laughs> yes, you do. Um, right, because th that's what I'm most interested in. So it doesn't really come up a lot. I don't go into any detail about my own, the, you know, the nitty-gritty of my own personal experience. Uh, but I do believe that having personal experience does make a difference in terms of uh talking about the subject you know you and i uh, talk about the subject and, and we we've kind of almost earned the right to do that because we have lived you know for so many years doing the work and i also like to point out that there's a lot of genuineness that comes from what we say because we've been in the industry for so long 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's really hard to understand what it's really like until, unless you've actually done it. There's a lot of things in life that are probably like that. You know, different people have different experiences. But this is definitely one of them where I think it's very hard to fully appreciate what that stigma feels like unless you've actually felt that that weight of the stigma on your shoulders. Mm. Well, Matthew, before we wrap up for today, I know that there are a few things that need to be done, even if decrim passes. So let's touch base on, you know, what government will have to do, even if we have decrim. Yes. So if the bill passes, the criminal laws that need to go will be removed, which is a good thing. But what will still be left to do is to address other non-criminal laws. And so we'll need to have separate reforms to other areas of laws, namely advertising laws, public health and infection control framework, so health laws, and most importantly, council laws. The the role of councils will become more important after the bill passes, if it passes. And so necessarily laws relating to the role of councils and where brothels can occur, how large they can be, those kind of things will all need to be updated and changed to try to bring sex work in line with similar service businesses like a hairdresser. Mm, Just to put things into perspective and to give an example, Decrim is going to allow a sex worker to work legally from their homes, right? Before Decrim, it would be illegal to work from a sex worker's home. And let's say Decrim passes today, they can now start working from their home. However, council laws are going to dictate uh, whether or not a sex worker can work from home if their home is close proximity to a school or a church and that distance is going to be a huge factor as to whether or not they can continue their work from home. Is that right? Yes, although you put a lot in there, Kitty. So first of all, um, right now it's a crime to work from home if you're a sex worker. That will be removed if the bill passes. But again, going back to the boyfriend cooking you dinner, it won't apply to December of next year. Oh, I'm smacking my face. Right. right. Um, And then, of course, separately from criminal laws, councils also have a role about whether they can approve uh, a certain um, business or home-based business. We don't yet know, Kitty, what the restrictions are going to be about sex work or sex workers working from home. We are expecting the Victorian government to announce those changes shortly, but we don't know the details yet about how far from a church or a school or things like that. Mm. It's really important to highlight to just everyone listening whether you're a sex worker or not if decrim's going to pass the enactment laws don't kick in until what did you say december 2023 so yeah so the second enactment date is december 2023 so all of the laws that are passed won't actually be fully in place until that that time yeah it's still a very long way to go Well, I guess, you know, what we can say is that we are moving in the right direction here in Victoria. No doubt it's been a very long journey and still a very long journey ahead. But, you know, together, collectively, sex workers and allies, I think we just need to keep marching forward, holding our head high and having these conversations with people because it's really important to destigmatize sex work and to just see it as any other business so that we're not discriminating against sex workers. 
Thank you so much for coming on the show, Matthew. If they would like to know more about what's happening or if someone would like to contact you about any more information, how can they find you? Best place is the website, sexworklawreformvictoria.org.au. It's been a fabulous chat that we've had today. Hopefully we'll have you or someone else from Sex Work Law from Victoria come chat with us again once we find out what's happened in Parliament Thursday. We'll hope to hear more from you then. Thanks, Matthew. Thanks so much, Kitty. That was a quick chat with Matthew Roberts from Sex Work Law from Victoria. You can follow their Twitter and Facebook accounts, which is at SW. L-R-V. When we chat again next week, we hope to discuss more about the outcome from Parliament and how it's going to affect both sex workers and non-sex workers as well. There are many laws that are already working and protecting landlords and other people who might be worried about decrim, but really there is no need to worry. Ultimately, decrim is something that's really good, not only for sex workers, but for our general public as well. We hope you'll join us next week as we uncover more of this. Before I wrap up today, I just want to remind everyone that my co-host Sasha Sidek from Behind Closed Doors will be hosting a huge event this coming Saturday from 12 to 3 p.m. at Federation Square. It will be at the main stage and this is for the Trans Pride Concert. She hopes you'll join her there and even perhaps pop by to say hi. You've been listening to Behind Closed Doors, Australia's only sex worker radio show. This is a replay from an episode of Behind Closed Doors. We sincerely hope you enjoy this episode as much as we have enjoyed producing it.